0: Acts chapter 3. And while you're turning to Acts chapter 3, let me just give a brief recap of what we talked about last week. So um, we're we're kind of um, straddling chapters. (laughs) So last week we straddled the end of chapter 2 and the beginning of chapter 3. And we got the first glimpse at the end of chapter 2 of the Christian community of believers that formed in response to the gospel proclamation on the day of Pentecost. And some of that community life uh, we talked about last week seems very familiar, um, since there's still continued aspects of our church today. Um, Devotion to apostolic teaching, devotion to fellowship, breaking of bread together, community prayer. Um, We also talked uh, some last week about Aspects that um, seem a little more foreign, um, holding of all things in common, um, the mighty works and signs, we sort of wrestled with that a little last week. Um, And although we don't possess these things um, in maybe the exact same way in Acts, we still possess the spirit and the love that fuels those actions. Um, As we talked about last week, this koinonia, community in Jerusalem, embodies the spirit-filled response to Jesus's command in John's gospel, love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And then the other thing we focused on last week was how the apostles continued to uh, live faithfully as Jews, attending the temple together to worship and and attending prayers. And this attending the temple occasioned the first post-Pentecost miracle of the apostles, healing this uh, man who is described as lame from birth, which intensifies the severity of his malady. He's been um, showing up at the temple, uh, we'll be told at the end of chapter three for 40 years. and he can't enter the temple because of his um, disability. And when Peter and John come through the beautiful gate and make eye contact with them, he thinks, oh, they're about to give me something, um, something. And when Peter and John saw him, he said, uh, I have no silver or gold, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And the man immediately obeyed this command and not only walked, but proceeded to leap and praise God. Um, In such a way, it drew a crowd of onlookers Um, and everyone there. And and again, this will be a theme that carries over into chapter four today. Um, Everybody agrees that uh, a mighty sign of God has been performed, that a man who everybody um knows has been lame from birth can now walk and leap and um, that fact is uh, undisputed in this text Um, but what we'll see as we go in today is that people respond to that fact and particularly to peter's message about what that fact means in different ways Um, so today We'll start in the middle part of chapter three and verse 11, and we'll look at Peter's speech to the crowd that's occasioned uh, by this crowd that's gathered um, uh, around this uh, lame man that's been healed, um, who I love the picture, you know, he's clinging to Peter and John. Um, uh, And Peter uses this crowd that's gathered around the Solomon's portico in the temple to, give a gospel proclamation, an explanation of what has just taken place um, and why, what power uh, they've been able to heal this man, that it's through the name of Jesus. He also um, will see in this address, um, uh, the address kind of has two parts. One part is a uh, kind of judicial, Um, this man, Jesus, who you killed. Um, so there's a lot of emphasis, we'll see, on the fact that, that this Jerusalem crowd is responsible for the death of Jesus, who God vindicates by raising them from the dead. And it's through God uh, and the power of Jesus that this man has been healed and walks before them. So this Jesus who they crucified, God vindicated, and that's the Jesus who's healed this man. Um, and then the second part... Uh, um, Peter focuses on how this is the fulfillment of not just a prophecy or two, but the entirety of the Old Testament prophecy pointed forward to this suffering Savior who would inaugurate um, this new era of the Spirit in which these actions could take place. And then calls on to the crowd to turn and repent and to exercise faith in Jesus Christ. Um, and then the other thing we'll see today, so we'll look at Peter's speech, and then we'll look at the responses to that speech. Um, one response we'll see in chapter four is lots of people coming to faith, doing just what G- um, Peter had told them. They turn, they repent, and they believe and join this Christian community. Um, but there's also the response of these leaders um, who arrest Peter, John, and Uh, It's not explicit, but kind of presumably the beggar as well, um, because he's kind of exhibit A in their trial the next day, Um, uh, you know. Um, So the response of the Jewish leaders who acknowledge something great has happened, but don't believe, don't turn in faith, and instead begin an era of persecution against the church, trying to silence Peter and John and the apostles for proclaiming this resurrected Jesus. So that's just a little background. Uh, let me read for us. Um, and again, I'll start in chapter three. Uh, we'll start in verse 11, and we'll read through in chapter four. Um, we'll probably go all the way through 31. Um, so here now the word of God. While he, the, the formerly lame beggar, clung to Peter and John has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn again, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed, was more than 40 years old. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? And grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Thus far the reading of God's holy word, let's ask him to open it in our hearts and minds as we talk about it this morning. Let's pray. Gracious God, O Heavenly Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, we do praise and worship you this day. We thank you for your mighty deeds, deeds that we see uh, done and performed and spoken of in the passage before us, working not just to heal bodies, but to save all men from their sins, to blot them out, as Peter says, wiping the slate clean, not because of a work of ourselves, but because of the work of Jesus Christ, who in your plan you sent to be the sacrifice for our sins, that we have life through the author of life, new life in him, and life eternal, that we will escape from the coming judgment, again, not because of our merit, but because of our faith in his name. We thank you for the gift of the Spirit that allows Peter and John to stand before this uh, august council and to proclaim boldly your word of truth. How easy it would have been for them to be intimidated, knowing that they didn't possess the wealth or the education or the knowledge of the scriptures, But they possessed something even greater than all these. They possessed your spirit that guided them in all truth concerning Jesus and opened their mouths that they could proclaim truth to the powers assembled before them. And we know that this isn't a natural quality of themselves because even after they depart, they gather with the rest of the community of believers to pray for continued boldness, to pray for that spirit to continue to fill them So that even though they've been told to be silent, that they will yet speak by the Spirit's power, the truth concerning Jesus Christ, the Savior, for both Jew and Gentile alike. Teach us by that same Spirit, the same Spirit that enabled them to speak. May that Spirit give us ears to hear and give us boldness to proclaim this good news to our world and in our lives. And we ask these things in Christ's name by the power of your spirit, amen. All right, so chapter three and verse 11, we see the, this dramatic uh, response to an obvious miracle. People, utterly astounded, are running together, and when Peter sees a crowd, <laughs> he takes advantage. Um, and, and we get Peter's second major address in the book of Acts. So the first one we saw in chapter two with the day of Pentecost, and now on the occasion of healing this lame beggar, Jesus, or Peter gives his second speech. So when we talked about Peter's first speech, we talked about it was the fulfillment of God's promises through the resurrected ascended Christ, um, who had, had sent his spirit, and that was what people were witnessing that day. So what would you say is the central message or central point of Peter's second speech? Yeah, and and by the name, like the, the issue of authority, um, and, and that's a, a a really central theme um, as we look at three, this section of three in Peter's speech. And um, when we get into chapter four, because that's, you know, notice that's the question, first question they're asked. Who's authority, who gave you permission to do this? <laughs> By whose name did you speak these things? So yeah, so emphasizing that, you know, what, just happened wasn't anything in them like you know it's no power we possess it's by the name it's by the power the authority of Jesus Christ who you think is gone but it's not <laughs> as you say it's this you think that story's over and then the past uh, that was Luke part one um, but no it's that Jesus who's healed this man in your midst today through faith in his name what else, or how else would you fill out, Jay? So it's, you know, one central point of this address of Peter's is that the authority, the power by this act is done is in the name, the singular name of Jesus, even though he gives lots of names. <laughs> I love how he, he's got lots of different labels he attaches to Christ in this sermon. To, um, it's in the name of Jesus, but who is this Jesus? You know, he is the holy and righteous one. He's the author of life. Um, you know, he is the promised Christ um, who's, who is sent to suffer uh, for the sins of his people. It's in the name of Jesus, but that name of Jesus is uh, manifold. What else, or how else would you summarize the point of his sermon? And, and again, to sort of link like um, Luke's bowling it down. So yeah, it's, it's Peter is obviously being bold and clear, but, and Luke is like summarizing it very clearly for us because I mean, again, think like this, the, the healing started, they're they're going to the three o'clock prayer. And, and now when they're getting arrested, it's, you know, it's it's night, it's too late to do anything with them the rest of that day. So presumably he's been going on for for a while <laughs> um, th- uh, but the the short sermon is much more effective, I say looking at the preacher in the back row <laughs> but Peter clearly has it i mean again because like we get him we get we get the nice thing about looking at the end of three and, and the beginning of four together is we get to see how he summarizes the summary the next day in in front of. The, you know, the assembled council, like, he, he gives a, like, one, you know, line <laughs> or two sentences. Um, you know, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God has raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. Like, that summarizes everything he says in chapter three Um, it's in the name of jesus who you crucified. (laughs) Um, and as we think about like what things he's trying to points he's trying to make in his sermon in chapter three um, and i'll I'll translate it into southernese um, you know uh, the god of abraham the god of isaac the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom y'all, plural, delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But y'all denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murder to be granted to y'all. Um, and y'all killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. Like it, you know. The, the accusation there cannot be more pointed. Like he is laying the blame of, you know, multiple things. Like you handed him over to Pilate. When Pilate tried to give him back, you said, no, 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 no. You exchanged his life for the life of a murderer. Um, a holy, and, it, and notice the contrast. You exchanged the holy and righteous one for a murderer. Um, you exchanged, or you put to death the author of life. Like, you know, the contrast between what they've done and who Jesus is, is is like the main driving um, force of this address. That the one who's healed is the one who you bear the sin of turning over and denying and and killing. Um, But, the good news is that same one that you put to death, God raised up and is now offering salvation to you now if you turn and repent and exercise faith in him. Like, you know, the, the move from the, the healing to, you know, he uses the healing to get to the main point of his sermon, which is who Jesus is. It's, you know, as Jay said, it's by power in his name that this guy's been healed. And why does that name have power? Because of who he is um, and what he has done, despite what you've done to him. Like he has done this in your midst and now he is offering repentance to you. Yeah, Ron. Yeah, it, and again, it's he. It's not. Um, it's not that he's like, y'all did this and y'all deserve to die. Like, you did this, and you need to repent. Like, it's the. It's not a, a condemnation that, you know, well, that was you. You had the chance, like, and you killed it. Um, no, you had, you you acted when the author of life was in present. You didn't see the you know, who he really was, you didn't understand all the testimony of the prophets, you acted in ignorance, but you can't act in ignorance anymore, like, you know, clear, it's becoming clear now, as you say, like, you know, now it's, you can't plead, oh, I I didn't know, Um, like, you know, that excuse only goes once, (laughs) oh, no, you've been told now, Um, the rest of the story has been unfolded before you, um, I, I know I've used this analogy before, but I'll use it again. I mean, it's, it's you know, this side of, the, of Pentecost, like, it, you can't read the Old Testament in the same way anymore. You know, having the Spirit, and once you can't read the Old Testament, like, you know, looking through the, the resurrected, crucified Jesus back onto the Old Testament, you can't read it the same way anymore, you can't ignore it anymore, it, it, it leads, it pushes you toward a decision, Um, so yeah, it's the graciousness in this, in this sermon, that you didn't know, but now you do, and, and with this information, how are you going to respond, like, knowing what you know now, are you going to repent in turn, um, and be part of this messianic, uh, age, part of this new spirit uh, in the community of believers, or are you going to be hardened and face destruction? Other things to say about Peter's sermon? Yeah, Matthew. Also the opportunity of the so really yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's this contrast between what you did, but, but what God's done. And what God's done has vindicated him. You know, God acting through him. And, and this has been God's plan all along. And I love that phrase. He uses it twice. Um, what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets. <laughs> like, all of them. Not just a few like sometimes people are like, "Well, you're cherry picking a few verses from the Old Testament here and there, taking them out of context and and Peter's like, "No, all of it is it was looking forward to this moment, and the signs were there um, you know with the healing of um, we talked about last week with the healing of this lame beggar, you know that fulfillment of that prophecy, and Isaiah, where the the lame will leap <laughs> um, and and uh, Luke uses the word leap multiple times, like it's, it's very clear that what's just taken place has a clear prophetic um, antecedent. And what Peter's doing isn't going to the specific prophecy and saying this fulfills that, he's saying this fulfills all of it. <laughs> um, Jesus is the fulfillment of all those prophecies. Um, And not just all the prophecies, he's the fulfillment of the covenant made with Abraham as he, you know, the way he ends this sermon, like he goes all the way back to Genesis and says the whole thing has been looking forward to this moment, um, you know, to to this moment in time uh, in which God's son has come, God's son has suffered just like God said his son would suffer. Um, but God has raised him up and gives life through him, the author of life. Yeah, so, you know, the, and that's the, like, so the first part is on the condemnation, and the second part is is on the authentic, authentication of the gospel message that's being proclaimed, that this Jesus whom you killed, look who he really is. Um, and it's, you know, what they're preaching isn't a new thing. You know, notice how this is the fulfillment. Like, he's not laying claim to some new God. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus. Like, he's the one who's done these things. You know, and all the Old Testament is being fulfilled in this moment. This isn't a new plan that God's devised. This is the fulfillment of the plan he's been working out from the beginning with the sending of his Son. Good. Other things we want to say on the sermon? Yeah,
1: David.
0: Yeah, that that, their hope. Lies in. I mean, again, it's the irony here. The hope lies in the one they've killed, and and it's, and they have the opportunity to. Re, he's the same one who saves them. He died for their sins too, even the sin of crucifying them. Um, yeah, what an an awesome. And again, it's y'all. <laughs> uh, every one of you, plural. Like you know, the emphasis is this. This this gospel is for, this good news is for you. It's not this is what y'all did too bad, like, you know, and and unfortunately that's often in the history of the church has been the way that Christians have treated Jews, like that the Easter celebration would be an opportunity to go um, attack Jews for killing Christ and calling them Christ killer and doing horrible things to them. That's not what Peter's doing. I mean, he's calling them Christ killers because he wants to give them the opportunity to become Christ believers. you know, and, and, and it is this, this gracious opportunity um, to proclaim and look at the response. Um, you know, people debate, um, and we don't have to get into this, you know, but many of those, of uh, verse 4 of chapter 4, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of men came to about 5,000. And so some people are like, well, 5,000 heard and believed that day, or other people are like, well, earlier he gave us the number 3,000. So now we're up to five, like looking at the total. I don't think we have to, to, you know, focus on that so much. The main part is people are are hearing the word proclaimed and they're believing. Um, But there's also, we get in chapter four, the first, um, the first major, depiction of the other response. You know, there are those who are hearing and believing, and then there are those who are hearing and seeing and not believing. Um, so um, why do the, why do these religious leaders um, arrest Peter and John, and, and presumably the beggar as well? Um, and why, would, and why would Peter's sermon be so provoking to them that they would have to take this dramatic act of arresting them and detaining them? Yeah, David. Yeah, that they're, you know, this is, it's consistent action. Um, and we could even go back to while Jesus was alive. Like, these were the people who cons- consistently refused to, to believe who Jesus is, refused to believe his message. And now they're continuing. Um, and what's great about this one is they can't cover this one up. Uh, <laughs> um, and notice the emphasis on like, their dilemma on what to do. Um, you know, their, their dilemma is built on the fact that, what shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. Like, the, mir- the miracle uh, is unquestioned. Like, that is not up for, you know, they can't say, well, they planted him <laughs> at the temple for his entire life. <laughs> so at this moment, he could, you know, suddenly stand, like, they're, like there's, they can't explain it away. Um, so, what do they have to do? They have to try to prevent the association between what has happened and the name in which he's been done. They have to disassociate act from message. Um, the, you know, because the act is authenticating the message um, that Peter's proclaiming, and people are believing the message. Um, and these men, they're, they're recognizing the act is true. Um, They call it a, a, you know, they call it a a notable sign, a great sign, a great wonder, like, you know, all the different words you could use to express that. Like this is the highest praise they could possibly give to this action. And yet, um, as you say, David, they're continuing in their stubbornness and refusing to believe what the act testifies to. Ronnie, you had your hand. <laughs> okay. It's basically, again, kind of throwing it in. Like, here's a guy who's been crippled, like last week we talked about from birth. So it's not like a recent, you know, recent injury that he's been using to get workers' comp, and like somebody's catching him on video shooting basketball in his backyard. Um, you know, no, this is a guy who has been who's 40 years old and everybody knows he has never in his life walked throughout those 40 years. And now it's that guy who's clinging to Peter and John, <laughs> even though they're being dragged in front of this council, like he's standing beside them here in this place. Um, I imagine him grinning like you know a Cheshire cat, like I can only imagine the joy that, that this man must be expressing, of having spent 40 years of his life never walking, never expecting to walk, and now he has new life because of, of Jesus. he's blessed beyond his imagination and and notice how how quickly and uh, before um, this council Peter goes from the healing to what Jesus you know has done like he goes from this man's been healed in this name and there is no there is salvation in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved like you know the physical act is just a visible testimony to the real saving act of Jesus, that he is the one who has taken our sins away from us. Um, And that phrase that he uses in chapter 3, you know, repent, therefore, and turn again, that your sins may be blotted out. Like, it's the word they use for, for cleaning a papyrus. Like, you know, the ink on a papyrus would basically sit on top and you could wipe it clean and use the papyrus again. The same thing was true of, of, um, of you know, the other parchment as well. Like we have a lot of classic, um, classical Greek authors because we've now learned if you put it under a, a book, under uh, ultraviolet light, you can see what they wrote <laughs> before they cleaned it. <laughs> so you can kind of see, yeah, they erased it and wrote something else, but now we found out ways we can read what's erased. But, you know, the idea is it's been wiped clean. You know, it's a clean slate that now can be written on afresh. yeah and again, um you know there's some debate on um you know in chapter three in his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see and know, and the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all like some people have like, well, is it the guy's faith, is it the apostle's faith that it healed him? is it both like but but yeah, that this man has, has not only received the ability to walk, but he's received saving faith in Jesus Christ. You know, the people who've heard the message attached to this act have responded in faith. Many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of men came to be about 5,000. Like, You know, that the response isn't, you know, well, let's line a bunch of people up to heal them. The response is faith. Um, and again, it's, the, it's not the act that's producing people's faith. It's the message attached to the act. Like, they, you have people who have seen it, and then Peter, you know, preaches this message. And some people who see and say it's a miracle are believing They're and doing what Peter said. Repent. Turn. Um, have your sins blotted out. And then you have this other group, these religious leaders who've assembled, who are recognizing, yeah, something pretty amazing happened. You know, don't say Jesus. (laughs) It wasn't because of Jesus. Like, you know, they don't have the eyes to see. They don't have the ears to hear. They don't have the hearts um, to respond in faith to this message. And they're only... um, the only thing they can do is to oppose it um, and try to prevent it being spread. And imagine from their perspective, like, you know, I thought we killed that snake Jesus. Um, Like, you know, we we dealt with that one. Like, we executed him, problem solved. And instead, like, they discovered, like, this snake was really a hydra. And like, now they've got (laughs) these apostles running around like so they killed the man Jesus and now they've got you know 12 and 120 and 3,000 and 5,000 like this it's expanding exponentially um and they they're at a loss but the thing they're not doing is responding in faith (laughs) can't stop it all um And they have no, and I love this response. Like, you know, again, it's this Peter who's denied him three times. Now he's being told, stop, stop saying his name. Like, stop saying, attaching his name to this act. Stop going around telling people about the resurrection. And, And he's like, I can't do it, you know. Is it better for me to obey the laws of men, or is it better for me to obey God? you know, and he's asking that question to them and their response should be, it's better to obey God. Um, like we don't, their, you know, their only response is, yeah, 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 but stop, <laughs> you know, don't do it, like, um, and, you know, and it's not that it doesn't produce any fear on the part of the apostles, like um, they keep speaking boldly but notice they come back and they're, you know, the, as a community they lift up this great prayer. And again, I'll, uh, we talked about in chapter in the chapter two, the importance of community prayer and the importance of believers gathering together for the purpose of praying together. And, and here we have the content of one of those prayers. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and, and prayed. And part of their prayer is, Now, Lord, look upon the, their threats And grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. They know that, you know, in themselves, they don't have the ability to persevere in the face of such pressure. I mean, again, these are are not just the religious leaders. These are, you know, the different words he uses for the people are gathered. You know, these are the the high priests. These are the elders, the main political leaders. These are the wealthiest, most powerful people in Jerusalem telling them to stop doing something. Um, And so in the face of the, you know, the greatest power that they have respect for in earthly terms, telling them to stop proclaiming Jesus, and they can't, like, you know, we can't. (laughs) You know, it's not possible for us not to speak. you know, he uses the double negative there, like, not possible not to speak, (laughs) like, you know, we can't not speak, it's, you know, we know, we've seen, and we've heard, and what, based on what we've seen and heard, we can't stop witnessing to who this, this man Jesus is, and it's powered by the Spirit, and they go back and pray, and say, Lord, continue to give us this boldness, continue to give us this Spirit, and notice how Luke emphasizes it—that you know, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, "They come back and pray, you know, give us, you know, give us the strength to do this." Um, And then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and then were you know continued to speak the word of God with boldness. It's the Spirit that's allowing them to speak so freely, so clearly flow directly to people that in ordinary life, they would be in awe of. You know in ordinary life, they would be cowed in the presence of. Um, but now, you know in, in, they can't not. The spirit is fill, filling a community, like, and the spirit is acting through this community of, of believers. Like, and it's, it's um, you know, it, it's their part of the body of Christ. Like Christ is still, pre- he's ascended, but he's still present. Like his body is at work in the bodies of these believers who have been filled with his spirit. Christ is still present. Um, used to have an intern um, in RUF used to say like, oh, you know, you're supposed to show people Christ in you. Like, you know, you, you know you're Christ to that person. Like you're standing, when you proclaim the gospel, you're, you're, you're not just giving the message about Christ, you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you're united to Christ, and you're bringing Christ into their presence. Um, and it's that kind of idea Um, And it's being rejected. And again, this is um, a big theme that we'll see working throughout the book of Acts. You have these things taking place, and this, you know, um, wondrous deeds, great messages, and some people are responding in faith and repentance, and other people are responding with hardened hearts. Anything else we want to say about um, we got? We can get a couple minutes here. And that, and that through the story of what's happened in their eyes, all the Old Testament makes sense. And he is, I mean, um, so Psalm 118, the, the, the stone the builders have rejected has become the cornerstone. Like that's one of the most quoted texts in the New Testament. But some of these others, like he's weaving in Deuteronomy and Leviticus, like he, there, there's a pretty broad range of scriptures that he's pulling together and it's not like he's not going to, like, you know, like, <laughs> or, or go to the biggies. Like, I would start with Isaiah 53. <laughs> like, that one seems pretty clear and undeniable. And he's not going there. Like, he's going to the entirety of it. Um, and it's the way that, you know, like, reading a mystery after you know the ending. Like, it, all the details now make sense. Like, you know, all the clues that you obliviously pass by the first reading through, you can't go back and read them the same way. Like, or like a movie, like, that has, um, and I don't want to give any spoilers, um, like, but you know, you think of movies that have this kind of like big reveal at the end, like, and you're like, oh, you know, this reaction, and you can't go back and watch the movie anymore without knowing, like, you know, seeing the movie through the lens of that big reveal. And that's what, you can't read the Old Testament anymore, um, you know, without being conscious of who Jesus is. Like, you've, they've seen and heard from Jesus, and because they've seen and heard from Jesus, all of it now makes sense in a way that it didn't before. It would, the message was always there, but they didn't have the, the equipage to understand it. Um, they didn't have to, to use Calvin's language. They didn't have the glasses, yet the corrective vision. <laughs> um, you know, but once they have the the lens of Christ, you, you know, they can't read the Old Testament this without seeing Jesus, um, and they can't, you know, look at actions around them without saying, that thing happened because Jesus did it. You know, it wasn't us; He did it you know, his name, it's his authority, his power, not, you know, the power, you know, they didn't have the power and permission of earthly authorities. They're doing it in the power of the the risen and ascended Jesus Christ. Um, Okay, Uh, anything else? Anyone, anybody wants to? So, I mean, what a, you know, the, the, Leads to gospel proclamation. The proclamation leads to a response. The response goes in two directions. One direction is is faith, and the other direction is opposition. You know, steadfast refusal to believe, despite, and, and I mean, and Luke really emphasizes, you know, the quandary that these guys are in. And For a notable sign has been performed them as evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, we cannot deny it. Like, they can't, uh, as David pointed out earlier, they can't cover this one up or come up, you know, spread some misinformation and, and try to say the act never happened. They can't deny the act happened. Um, so they, they're now, they have to deny the message attached to the act. They have to deny the gospel message which is putting them exactly in the category of peter's sermon like in the you know every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people you know that's them you know they are not listening to this prophet um, who was like moses He's, he's, he's living proof that what they've been asserting about the resurrection isn't the case. And, um, you know, if you look, they're upset proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from dead. So it's like a double, like one, they don't want to hear about this Jesus who they've just had executed. Um, so like, you know, no, we, we've dealt with that. We don't want to hear about that nor do we wanna hear about resurrection from the dead. Like it's kind of like doubly offensive to the Sadducees who are, um, we sometimes think of the Sadducees because they're the more um, materialistic of the Jewish sects. Like they're, they're wealthier, um, they're less concerned about the law than the Pharisees. We think of them as the liberals, but really they're the conservatives, um, you know, it's the Pharisees who've been uh, talking about resurrection. It's the Pharisees who are, who've kind of added all these things to the law, like to, to make sure that you know, the law is faithfully obeyed. Um, the Sadducees also, the Torah, you know, so the first five books are, um, are more important to them. like that's real scripture if it's in the Torah. All this later stuff, you know, they're less convinced by. But if it's in the Torah, if you can make your case from the first five books of Moses, then you'll be more persuasive to a Sadducee. So they are like the real conservatives in this. And they don't want to hear about Jesus um, being the Messiah. And they don't want to hear about the resurrection from the dead. Because, you know, both of those go against what they have, you know, what they stand for. Well, we, we've hit, hit time. Um, so next week uh, we'll pick up at the end of chapter four um, and we'll return to this uh, question of, of charity within the church um, and we'll see the first major instance of a problem within this community of believers. So far the community of believers has been, s- has been described in these kind of rosy idealistic terms, you know, they're all sharing, they're all doing everything together. It's, it's great, it's the honeymoon. <laughs> uh, chapter five, the honeymoon comes to an end and in, in, in with Ananias and Sapphira. Um, so we'll see that not everything within the life of the church was all rosy all the time. Um, so, but that's next week, let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for your word and for your gift of your church your gift of a body of believers, and that uh, we can gather together and encourage one another by prayer. We can ask for your spirit to fill us so that we can faithfully witness to who Jesus Christ is, that he is the son of God who you sent as your anointed one, uh, your savior, and that there is no other name, there is no other power um, by which salvation can come except through him. And we pray that you would give us the same spirit of boldness, that we would be like the apostles, or like Peter when he says, I cannot not speak about Jesus Christ and what he's done, that we cannot not speak about who Christ is and what he's done for us, that we cannot not speak of this good news of salvation, once for all proclaimed through Jesus Christ. Help us to worship that risen, ascended Savior in this coming hour by the power of your Spirit. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.